We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 11th, and we're going to talk some Notre Dame recruiting today. We're going to talk about the Notre Dame running back board. Here's what we're going to do today. Okay, Today we are going to talk about, uh, I'm going to go over the board. I'm going to talk about, number one, why Notre Dame is looking to take two backs in a class. What could be the circumstances that allows them to not to not take a second back in the class? And would they? is there a circumstance which they wouldn't take a second back? Then I'm going to go over the board. I'm going to go over, we'll talk about Notre Dame running back commit, Jadarian Price first. Then I'm going to talk about the guys on the board based on my rankings. We're going to talk, we're going to look at their their rankings. We're going to talk about film. We're going to watch some film, show you why I like each player. And then we'll talk about the latest in each of their recruitments as we get closer and closer to visits. So a month from today, Notre Dame will be hosting their second official visit weekend. And that weekend is going to be busy because there's going to be some there's going to be one of these kids is going to be on campus that weekend. So we're going to dive into that. And so I appreciate everybody being with me today. This is going to be a podcast format. So I'm going to do I'm going to do the talk and I'm going to go over the board. I'm going to drop the information. We'll talk about the different things at the end. We'll do a QA. and uh, a If there's questions that you have throughout the show, throw them in there. And when we get done with the, the running back portion, We'll dive into the Q&A part. If, you, if there's something that you want to interject during the podcast, feel free to, uh, to, to drop a super chat and we'll, we'll put it in there. But try to keep it, try to keep it about running back recruiting uh, if you can. If not, we'll, we'll still dive in and answer the questions. So that's what we're going to do. So let's, let's jump into this. So first of all, Notre Dame running back recruiting is, is very interesting right now because we we went through a stretch of about four years where running back recruiting was really shaky. Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of misses of kids that Notre Dame should have should have landed. There just was not hard uh, 
uh, grinding recruiting being done by the position coach at the time, and it left Notre Dame with some some shaky moments when it comes to the running back depth chart in recent seasons. Notre Dame was able to recover from some big misses in the 2019 class, and were and they were able to get Kyron Williams. And at the time, it didn't look like it was going to be a big commitment. Kyron has been better than expected, at least than I expected. He's really turned out to be an excellent running back. Then Lance Taylor was hired. They get Chris Tyree, which was a huge home run uh, pickup, obviously. Last year, early, they had some misses. I did not like the early recruiting operation at the running back position. I felt that they passed on some really good players they had a good shot with to put all their eggs in the Will Shipley basket, and they struck out. But they recovered, and that's the important thing. They got Logan Diggs over the summer. That was a huge pickup. I'm very high on Logan Diggs. I graded him as a four-star, top 150 caliber back. Uh, then they went out late, right before signing day, and got Audric Estime, another four-star running back, a guy that Rivals ranked as a top 150 recruit. I have him as a definite top two to 250 caliber recruit, and it's a very strong one-two punch. So now you look at Notre Dame's board and you say, okay, well, they only need one running back, right? Well, they're looking to have two, and, and there's reasons why. Number one, if Kyron Williams, the way that the breakout season he had last year, if Kyron Williams repeats his success or gets better, and, and I think most of us expect him to be a better player this year, there's a good chance he's going to be gone after this year. We all know the running back situation, right? <clears throat> the reality is, is running backs just don't stay four years when they've had multiple years of, of major success. It is a position where there's this talk of the shelf life and, you know, the tread on the tires and all those types of things. So it's not a given that Kyron Williams is going to be part of the team in 2022. Then you look at, okay, well, Chris Tyree, if he's the number two, we think he's going to be this year. And he goes into 2022 and he has the kind of year that, that I think he's capable of and some others think he's capable of. Then you start looking at 2023 and you're saying, well, he may not be part of the team in 2023. So Notre Dame is looking at the situation and saying, there's a couple realities about the 2022 class. Number one, are two running backs in this class an absolute must? Meaning if they don't get two running backs in this class, it's totally going to screw up their depth chart. Totally going to mean that, you know, hey, they're going to be short on numbers moving forward. No, not necessarily. I think with Chris Tyree, with the two running backs that they got in last year's class, plus you take a, a running back this year, Jadarian Price, and you project that to the 2022 season, even without Kyron Williams, you've got four very good running backs. Perhaps you can take a fifth running back that, that you know, is a grad transfer for depth. You know, there's other players that are there. There's some, there's a, there's a walk-on that Notre Dame has right now uh, that, that I thought looked pretty good in, in the spring. And he'll be around that at that time too. And he's a guy that you say, no, he's not a guy you're going to go out there and beat Alabama with. But if you have to have a fifth running back on your roster, that kid can play. And uh, I think it's, it's it's Chris Ketterer, I think is his name. I'm gonna have to look that up. But uh, I was impressed with him from what I saw in the in the spring practice clips. I was impressed with what I saw from him uh, in the blue gold game as sort of an emergency running back. So they're in a situation where where I honestly think there's a scenario in which Notre Dame won't take a second running back in this class. I think they're gonna shoot high, and if they don't shoot high, if they don't land one of those big guys to go with Jadarian Price, who was part of that shoot high group. And I could see them passing on the position and maybe using that scholarship for a, another spot, potentially wide receiver, as, as one of the listeners has alluded to in the chat. Potentially they could use it for a fifth offensive lineman, a you know a fourth defensive end, an extra defensive back. There's other things they could do. And 
that's not something that I have been told by anyone at Notre Dame that they're going to, that they're going to do that, but it's just reading the tea leaves a little bit. They're putting all this work into sort of the big three that we've talked about. And we don't see a lot of other guys really being pushed for right now. And so when I, when I look at the depth chart, I, I, you know, you have to ask yourself, okay, is this a situation where, you know, they're slow playing some other guys to where they'll turn up the pressure if they miss out on these other players, or is it a situation where they say, um, you know, okay, look, they're, they're going to, you know, this isn't a situation where they're going to just take a guy to take a guy. They have guys that they like, and if they don't get one of those guys, then there are other players that are are better uh, at that position. So I kind of am leaning towards that second part. Now it could certainly be possible that they're slow playing those guys because they want to let the top guys know that you're our top guys. We want you and we don't want anybody else. You know, we've heard that Emeka Megwa is going to visit this summer, but that hasn't been scheduled yet. As far as I know, it hasn't been scheduled yet. So I think that right now I could see a scenario in which Notre Dame says, we're going to get one of the big three. And if we don't get one of them, we're going to move on to another position. Now, part of the reason you have the ability to do that is because you already have Jadarian Price in the class. Uh, Jadarian Price is a kid that when I look at him, I watch him play. He's a very talented running back. We've watched his film before. Uh, he's a kid to me that fits the Notre Dame offense very well. And, and what I mean by that is he's a very decisive runner. He's, he's got good vision, good second, good anticipation, all the types of things you want between the, you know, running between the tackles. He's not a, a burner burner type like a Chris Tyree, but I, I really like his explosiveness in the second gear. He reminds me a lot of Dexter Williams in that regards. Uh, he's a guy that to me is going to fill out his frame nicely. And a guy that to me is someone that when you look at him in, in three years, you say he's going to be able to run the ball. He's got some toughness in the pass game. And he's a guy that can catch the football effectively. You know, we've seen him make plays in high school out of the backfield. And we've seen him make plays out in high school lining up in the slot. I don't know how well he projects to being a guy that lines up in the slot moving forward at the next level. But he certainly does it in high school, which makes me think he's a guy that could be a, a good pass game weapon. And he was a a good pickup for Notre Dame, a really good way to start the class. And we've watched his film before, so we'll focus more on, on right now on the uncommitted guys at this point in time. So that's where Notre Dame is as far as in this class. Because you got a, a talented back, I mean, he's a top 250 uh, rankings guy. I view him as a top 250 back. He's a good football player. And I'm someone who doesn't believe you have to have a five-star running back. I think we've seen a lot of lower-ranked running backs who grow into their bodies and become big-time players. Travis Etienne was a leave a three-star recruit by rivals. And and if you have the kind of offensive line that Notre Dame recruits, you can get, I mean, give me a Kyron Williams every year. Kyron Williams is a three-star recruit. Give me a kid like that every year and I'll have myself one heck of a backfield. So uh, that's where they're at. And it's a great start with Jerry and Price. And so now you focus on the big three. And we're going to go with my board when I talk about the rankings. And the number one guy on my board and a guy that Notre Dame is extremely high on is Dallin Hayden. Uh, he is from Tennessee. He is a player that is, is real to me, one of the more underrated backs in the country. And, and one of the situations that leads to Notre Dame looking for a second back in this class is the fact that this is a very deep year at running back, in my opinion. And there's a lot of running backs that are from areas that are, are favorable to Notre Dame. Tennessee is an area that is favorable to Notre Dame, especially when you talk, look at some of the private schools. Notre Dame's had a lot of success in the state of Tennessee, going back all the way to the you know, the Harrison Smith and, and Golden Tate time. You've had Alex Bars. You've had plenty of players come from the state of Tennessee. Dante Vaughn, who's now in the NFL, came from the state of Tennessee. You got Prince Colley last year. So Notre Dame clearly has had success in the state of Tennessee and, and is a 
this is a situation where he, to me, is the most complete back that is on the board for Notre Dame. We're going to dive into his film right now and, and check this out a little bit. And so here, here's the things when I when I look at um, when I look at Dallin Hayden, I see a guy that that I understand why some of the services don't view him the way that that I do, because he's not a guy that is a a burner. But here's what I see, and you're going to see it from this film. He's got tremendous feet. He's got tremendous vision. He's a guy. Look at that cut right there. Like, no, he's not a burner, but that kind, this kind of bounce right here. He's going vertical to hit that, and then it swatches. When I talk about acceleration, watch what happens after the jump cut. Okay, you're going to see him make this jump cut and watch him. He puts his foot in the ground and he's already back to full speed. You know, give me a guy that runs a four six that can do that over a guy that you know, like a Josh Adams who was a, a very good back, but Josh Adams can't make that play. Right, he makes that cut and he just outruns the defense. That's that play from another angle. That is tremendous, tremendous footwork, and it's really an impressive play. This is a kid that's got a really nice frame. You see the patience there, the vision, his second level anticipation. This is a kid that to me has all the tools that you want in a running back, other than just that burner, burner speed. But as we've seen in recent years, there's a lot of running backs that have a lot of success in the NFL that aren't burners, or excuse me, in causing aren't burners. Uh, the running back from LSU. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I talk a lot about, that's just a really smooth run right there. He ran a 4.6 in, in, at his pro day. Definitely not a burner. And to me, look, there's another example of just being able to plant your foot, get vertically. These are the things I like about Dallin Hayden. And the reason I fit, feel he fits the Notre Dame offense very well, because you can see him getting outside. You can see that patience. Notre Dame doesn't necessarily run a lot of plays where the running back is expected to outrun the defense to the sideline. You use bubble screens for that now. You use jet sweeps. You use reverses. You use, use things like that to quickly get to the perimeter. Now it's about stretching the defense to the perimeter, getting them to, to, to react to the play in an attempt to open up a vertical run lane. And that's something that Dallin Hayden is exceptional at. I think he has tremendous vision, but a big part of it is the, the patience that he shows. I really like how patient of a runner he is. He's got a brother that, that goes to Illinois. Here he is in the pass game, catches the ball with his hands. We don't see a lot of film of him. I love that leg drive right there. Do you see that? Kid try, comes up, tries to drill him, and he just runs right through it. Just keeps those feet going. I, I love that toughness right there. Uh, I, there's not a lot of film of him of him in high school catching the football. And so when I did my film, uh, initial film evaluation, I said, look, it, you know, pass game's a big question mark for Dallin. And so he actually sent me some video of him working out, catching a ball, running routes, catching a ball. And I really like his route running. He's got quick feet. He understands angles. He knows how to get open. Uh, he catches the ball clean with his hands. So, you know, again, it was workout video. It wasn't game film, but you know, he can't control how much he gets thrown the ball in high school or how much he's using the pass game. But when I saw that video and combined it with the, the few plays that we saw of him in high school catching the football, I was very impressed by it. And, and it, it convinced me that this is a kid that can also be a part of the pass game. And as you see here, it's mostly just screens and stuff. But when I watched him on the, the video he sent me, it was of him catching the ball down the field. It was him, you know, running routes, catching slants, catching posts, catching crossing routes. And I was very impressed by what I saw from him. So he's a very talented running back. So let's talk about Dallin Aiden. The consensus is that he's an Ohio State lock. And I would agree that Ohio State is his leader. But I have said this many times. I continue to confirm it. I've continued to get the information that Notre Dame is the school that presents the biggest threat to Ohio State. And I think the, the, the gap between Ohio State and Notre Dame is much, much closer than people think. And 
Notre Dame essentially, here's kind of how it went down according to what I've talked to. Ohio State had the big lead. They did a great job building a relationship. Tony Alford and Ryan Day both did a phenomenal job of recruiting him and building that relationship. Notre Dame was sort of late to start getting that. You know, obviously Mike Elson came in and and some things changed around. They started making a better push. They started being a little bit more organized. Uh, Tommy Restart getting more involved with, with this situation as well as Lance Taylor. And that helped Notre Dame close the gap a little bit. Well, then Dallin made an unofficial visit to Notre Dame within the last couple months. And it was one of those self-guided tours. You know, he didn't meet any of the coaches or any of the, any of the players or anything like that. But just being on campus, seeing the campus, seeing what Notre Dame was about, seeing the community had a huge impact on him from what I'm told. And that big time closed the gap for Notre Dame. And now it became about, well, okay, now it's about the relationships. You know, he's got this strong bond with the coaches of Ohio State. Over the next couple months, can Notre Dame coaches – kind of close that gap. And essentially that's where we are. If, if Notre Dame's coaching staff can continue to close the gap from a building that connection, that trust, that relationship, which every Notre Dame fan knows Tony Alford's great at, and also Ryan Day's very good at it. But the Notre Dame staff has been putting in the work to where I believe, in my opinion, that when you look at his visit schedule, the fact that Notre Dame is before Ohio State could be huge for Notre Dame. My big concern with Dallin Hayden was – before he set up his visits, if Ohio State was before Notre Dame, I was concerned about whether or not Notre Dame he would ever get to back to Notre Dame. That's my that was my concern. But his visit schedule is is such. June fourth, he's going to Illinois where his brother plays. Then June eleventh, he's going to be at Notre Dame, and then June eighteenth, he's going to be at Ohio State. So Notre Dame will get that opportunity to really put their best foot forward with him before it goes to Ohio State. And really, if you're Notre Dame, you have two objectives. Obviously, the first objective is obvious. Come out of that visit as his leader, knowing you're going to get him. The other objective is to do such a great job that after his Ohio State visit, he's not ready to make a decision. Those are the two objectives. And if you're not able to close the gap and he goes to Ohio State, then there's a good chance he'll end up at Ohio State. But if he, they can knock it out of the park with that visit, and I think they are in position to do so, I think Notre Dame has a much better shot to get Dallin Hayden than people think. And as I've said many times, the visit ultimately – is going to be the key. And Dallin is the number one running back on my board in this class. I think you could argue that there's some other running backs that have higher ceilings, but as far as a guy that can come in day one, challenge the guys already on the roster, do a lot of different things, be part of a complimentary backfield or be the guy, either one. I think he can do both of those things. And to me, that's why he is my number one back. I graded him out as a top hundred recruit. I don't believe anybody else has him as a top hundred recruit, but that's how I see him. I think this is a kid that's, not flashy, but just an incredibly productive football player. Uh, and, and when you look at his numbers as a junior, he had over 2,000 rushing yards and almost 10 yards of carry. He's a very talented back. Now, the number two guy on my board is Nicholas Singleton. He's had a very interesting recruitment, but let's first dive into to what I like about Nicholas Singleton. I also graded him out as a, as a four-star running back uh, that uh, that is a top 100 player. He is more of a, I think 247 has him in the 200s. Other people have him in the 100s. I view him as a top 100 back. Has a little bit of a higher ceiling than Dallin Hayden, but he also has more room that he needs to grow and develop as a player. He is a guy that comes from sort of a, a strange option offense. They, it's almost like the old Nebraska Notre Dame option where it's kind of out of the backfield. They run a lot of option stuff. He catches the ball. He's on the perimeter a lot. We don't see him running a ton between the tackles. Uh, you know, but he does some good things between the tackles. But, you know, this is a kid that's a very talented player and a guy that I think is is 
could end up being a very, very productive runner. His numbers from his junior year were just ridiculously stupid. I mean, he had like 1,300 yards rushing in eight games uh, and averaged like, like 12, 13 yards a carry. We're going to watch a little bit of film of, of Nicholas Singleton. But what you're going to see here is you're going to see him catching the pitches a lot, catching tosses a lot, and just getting vertical. You just see the, the – you can see the suddenness just from watching this film. He's a big kid. He's six foot, 200 pounds. And you can still see he's got some very, very good long speed. Like Hayden, he gets to stop uh, full speed in a hurry. But the reason I think he's got a little bit of a higher ceiling is he's got, got more explosiveness, in my, my opinion. I think Dallin Hayden's a more natural running back. You're going to see a lot of these type of clips from Nicholas Singleton, taking a toss, taking an option play, and, and doing those types of things. That's great. That shows off his athleticism, his home run ability. But a running back has to be a guy that can also do damage between the tackles, and that's something that we have to be able to see uh, Nicholas Singleton do, and we're still learning about that. So uh, here's another option play. Catches the ball obviously relatively well because, I mean, you, you can't burn the option if you can't catch the ball relatively well out of the backfield. But, you know, this is a kid that's got a, a really well-built lower body. He's a strong runner. He plays defense. He's not a college defensive player, but you can see some of the toughness and physicality when he's on defense. Uh, you see him cutting all the way back here. This is just, I mean, this is not a run that projects to the next level all that well, but it just shows his vision and his willingness to say, hey, look, I'm going to find the opening. I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to go. But there's some really impressive tape here. You can see once he gets the corner, he, he's he gone. And he, he plays against very good competition. Uh, you know, he, he played against, uh, I'm going to pull up his numbers now as we're talking, but, you know, he's a guy that to me, he had a, 100 yards. I watched a game against Pine Richland. Uh, which obviously we all know is is where Phil Jerkovic and Andrew Kristoffic went. Uh, they are a, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the state and had a very good defense. And and that was a game where, you know, his numbers, Nicholas Singleton's numbers were not lights out numbers, but that's kind of what I liked about his game film was you got a chance to see him grind. You got a chance to see him, you know, Hey, what can he do when, when the big, the big runs aren't there? He finished the game with 108 yards for 25 carries only 4.3 yards a catch, but he showed me a lot. He showed me a lot in that game, and that was a guy that can can go out there and and hammer and pick up the tough yards and, and play tough and show me some physicality and some toughness and and be able to make plays when there's a, often a not a lot of room to work. Uh, so, you know, that was something that that really impressed me when I watched his film. Uh, he's a kid that, that to me, has a, a high ceiling, but as I said before, he's also a kid that needs a lot of work technically, mechanically, we rarely see him catching the ball out of the backfield, which is so important in today's game. But with that size and his toughness, you know, to me, there's no reason he can't be a guy that ultimately develops into a very good, at least a very good pass blocker. Although we just don't see him, we don't see him do it a whole lot uh, at the college level. So you get a chance to see a little bit about Nicholas Singleton here. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Nicholas Singleton's recruitment right now. Uh, this is an interesting situation because. I felt very early on, I thought Notre Dame was in a really good place. I felt that Notre Dame was, in my opinion, arguably his leader early on. This is way back before the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Notre Dame was was one of the top schools. Ohio State got involved. Uh, then Penn State obviously had been involved, but they started to make a real good push, with especially their new offensive coordinator. I think Penn State's become much a bigger factor. Ohio State's basically dropped out, but now Alabama's in the mix. And when you look at Nicholas Singleton's visits – He's going to be at Wisconsin on June 4th. He's going to be at Penn State on the 11th, Notre Dame on the 18th, and then he's going to be at Alabama on the 25th. Now, Alabama's in an interesting situation because they've already got a running back commit, Emmanuel Henderson. 
Notre Dame already has a running back commit, Jadarian Price. Well, Emmanuel Henderson's considered a five-star running back, but you have to respect Nick Singleton. He's not afraid to go to somewhere where they've got a second back. A lot of the schools on his board already have second, have another back in the class. But I just, I, Penn State's considered the leader, but he's worked really hard to try to build that relationship with Alabama. And there's just something about me that says that Alabama may be a bigger player than some people think. But I still think Notre Dame has a shot here too. Uh, they're going to be sandwiched in between Penn State and Alabama. And so that's going to be a very different three weeks for, for Nicholas Singleton. Penn State is a whole lot different than Notre Dame in every way possible. And then those two schools are way different than Alabama in every way possible when it comes to you know, what the recruiting pitch is going to be, the campus, the, the, the location, all those type of things um, are, are going to just – it's just – We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's going to be different. And so we're going to find out what Nicholas Singleton is really looking for. I, I think that Notre Dame has fallen back a little bit. They're, I don't believe they're his leader anymore, but I do believe, however, that they're within striking distance to where with a strong visit, they could kind of get back in the mix. But if I was if I was making a prediction on who I who I'm more comfortable, who I'm more confident in right now between Dallin Hayden and Nicholas Singleton, I would lean towards Dallin Hayden slightly. But as I say, I'm going to be a broken record when we get to June. A lot of this is going to be dependent upon whether or not the you know what how the visits go, and that's going to be the big thing. So Nicholas Singleton is a guy that is number two on my board. He's the number two running on my, back on my board. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from a ranking standpoint, a bit of the, the controversial thing for me is that I don't have, um, I don't have Gavin Sawchuk ranked as high as others, and I think he's a very good back. Don't get me wrong; I think he's he's a very talented back. I, I graded him out as a top one hundred and fifty recruit and a, with a four and a half star upside, which is that of a top fifty player. So, I see the upside, but I, I just didn't think he was quite the dynamic back that that. Those other guys are. I think there's parts of his game that are still developing. Uh, I think that he is is a guy that just needs to continue to get stronger in, in those parts of the game. Now he's a tough back, but he's just got to really fill out his frame. And, and we're going to watch his film. Uh, we're going to watch his film now. The one thing that Gavin Sawchuk brings to the table that you're going to like is if he gets a crease, he's going to be gone. 
You know, he, I, what I don't think is I don't think he has quite the um, the 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 same feel in the back as a running back that those other guys do. It's still developing. You know, I've watched some game film of him where he just there were there were smaller holes, but he just wasn't able to maximize those yards the way that a guy like uh, Dallin Hayden could do against better competition. But he does have a burst. He's a very natural, fluid runner, as you can see. He's more smooth uh, than he is sudden, in my opinion. It's good patience. Uh, but I just don't – I see a good – a really good running back. I just don't see the elite back that some other people see that rank him in the top 50. Um, and this is an example where I think speed is being a little bit – is the thing that's boosting him up as a recruit as opposed to just that every down aspect. But as you see, and you watch the film, this is kind of this is kind of splitting hairs. I mean, these are all very talented backs. Uh, but when I see Gavin Salchuk, I see a guy that if he gets into the second level, he's going to be gone. But he's just not – doesn't have that same immediate burst. Yeah, I'd say he's more, to me, more like a Josh Adams type. You remember Josh Adams had had great speed, but he needed a couple steps to kind of get going. Whereas I view Nick Singleton and Dallin Hayden as more like a, a Dexter Williams. Now, Josh Adams and Dexter Williams were both home run backs, but Dexter was the kind of guy that he ran a 4.58, but his 4.58 started within step two. Josh Adams ran a 4.48, but his 4.48 didn't start till he was, you know, three, four, five steps into his run which is kind of how I view Nick, how I view Gavin Salchuk as a player. Uh, so that's just kind of where I see him as a running back at this point in time. Um, talented running back. His recruitment is also very interesting because when, when, you look at, when you look at Gavin Salchuk, Oklahoma has made a, a big push for him. They already have a running back in their class. They have the kid from modern day in their class. Smaller back, you know, kind of a, a shifty back. Uh, not quite the same player that Gavin Sawchuk is. But I felt that Oklahoma was the leader for a while. USC is in the mix. He's going to be visiting both of those schools. And, and looking at his list, he's going to visit USC first on the 4th. Then he's also looking at Ohio State on the 11th. Then Oklahoma on the 18th. And then Notre Dame has him last, the 25th. This is one of those instances where with Dallin Hayden, I was, I was very happy that Notre Dame got him before Ohio State because I felt like Ohio State was going to do everything possible to try to get him to commit before – he visited Notre Dame. They know the threat that Notre Dame is. Ohio State's very well aware of the threat that Notre Dame is right now with Dallin Hayden. So they would have done everything possible to try to get him to commit without making the Notre Dame visit. Or with Gavin Salchuk, I don't see him committing to Oklahoma before he visits Notre Dame. I think he's going to still visit Notre Dame. And this is an instance where him being last, I think you you want to leave that last impression with, with Gavin Salchuk. So it's different. I've said this. We got to ask this question. Do you prefer being first or last in visits? Depends on the kid. Gavin is one of those ones that I feel like I want to see him last for two reasons. Number one is I feel like Notre Dame can make that final strong impression. And then number two is I feel like now you're going to have a real good idea of where things are with Singleton and, and Hayden bef before that visit starts. So if you feel like you knocked it out of the park with Dallin Hayden, maybe you get a commitment from him, then, you know, you can, you can still talk to Gavin if you want, but uh, I don't see Dallin Hayden committing that soon, but you're at least going to know, Hey, we feel like we've taken the lead. Same with, same with Singleton. But if you're if you feel like you didn't weren't able to knock it out of the park with those guys or other schools are just in better position, then now you can really turn up the heat on on Gavin Salchuk. And that's going to be his last impression of of his recruiting visits is, is you just showing him all the love during that last visit. Right now, it's not looking like it's going to be a huge, huge weekend. It's starting to fill up, though. 
initially it was going to be a little bit of a smaller weekend, but you've got Zach Rice is supposed to be there that weekend. CJ Williams is supposed to be there that weekend. Jaden Mickey's going to be there that weekend. Kevin Winston's going to be there that weekend. There's a couple other players that we're hearing are going to be there, but we're trying to get confirmation. It's not going to be a huge, huge weekend, but it's going to be a big weekend. It's going to be an important weekend. And I think that's a weekend where if you have Jadarian Price on campus, you can really sell those two guys on, hey, you two are together. This is the group that we want. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting. Now, I've heard from different people about who Notre Dame likes better. At this point in time, they would take all three of them. And, and I think they like all three of them. And I think they're all three talented backs. I have I have it as Hayden one, Singleton two, Sawchuck three. But the reality is, is they all three would be very, very good pickups. Sawchuck would be the best pickup from a recruiting ranking standpoint because he's ranked the highest. If you're someone who gets into, you know, who's the highest ranked or what was going to be help the, the recruiting class be ranked higher, Sawchuck would be a grand slam home run from a ranking standpoint. And he'd be a great pickup, but he is third on my list. But as I said, the gap between these three guys is, is minimal. I personally like Dallin Hayden better, but if Notre Dame, Notre Dame lands either one of those two backs, I'm, I'm going to be a happy guy. Now, there's other backs on the board. And Jadarian Price, by, by the way, is my number four back. And Jadarian Price did not grade out much lower than Gavin Salchuk at all. Uh, I have Jadarian as a top 200 back with a four-and-a-half star upside. I have Gavin Salchuk as a top 150 back with four-and-a-half star upside. I think Gavin graded out higher on speed, and that was really it. I think, And, and I think that his physicality as a runner is a little bit better uh, than, than Jadarian's, but it's not by much. Whereas I think Jadarian has better feet. I think Jadarian has better vision, and and I think Jadarian is a is a better pass game weapon right now. But they're very similar players uh, in that regard, and that's kind of also why I would like a Hayden Singleton a little bit better than Salchuk because I feel like they complement each other well. But again, you get any of those three guys, it, it's a win. The number five back on my board was Quinshawn Judkins from Alabama. He is not scheduled to visit yet to Notre Dame. He is a guy that reminds me a lot of a bigger, slightly faster version of Torian Folston. And I'm talking about the Notre Dame version of Torian Folston, not necessarily the, the early in his career before the injury Torian Folston, the, the post-knee injury Torian Folston. He's, a very, he's got great feet. Junkins has great feet. I think maybe a better, a better ver a comparison might be Tony Jones. Maybe say he's a faster version of Tony Jones because his body is similar to Tony Jones compared to Torian Folston. Good pass catcher out of the back. Very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Very good pass blocker already, and just a really natural feel. He just isn't a, a great athlete, at least from an explosiveness standpoint. Really, really good feet, can make a lot of cuts. His, his jump cuts are excellent, but he's just not quite that explosive, sudden. Uh, he's got some suddenness, but he doesn't have an explosive burst and that, that second-level speed that the other backs have. The fact that Notre Dame hasn't scheduled him for a visit tells me that is again evidence for me that they're not necessarily pushing for a second back to the degree that it's an absolute must it could be a situation where they're going to hope that if you know see how they get with the big three and then if they need a second back then they can work on getting some of these next guys in in the fall uh, Quinshawn Jukkins would be one if he doesn't commit somewhere this summer my number six back is Jabron Payne out of Ohio He's a very intriguing player to me he's a four-star top 300 caliber guy to me other people have him ranked higher. He didn't play much of 2020. I think he only played like one game before he got hurt. He's a talented running back, but he's a little on the small side for me. He doesn't look as big as his listed weight, but that could also be because I haven't seen him since he was a sophomore. He may be a bigger player now, uh, but he's good between the tackles, good speed. He's a talented back as well. Emeka Megwa is a guy that is next on my list, uh, is a guy that I think Notre Dame is looking at. 
my concern question there is I just I see a big athletic kid. I don't see a natural running back, in my opinion. I think he's a guy that would be more of a, a linebacker than than he would a running back, but he is a talented player with some upside. Um, not an overly productive back from what I can tell. His numbers are okay, but not great. Uh, but you know, he brings some athleticism and some some size to the table. Uh, I look at him as a guy that you you'd put him in the in the Oklahoma offense. It'd be very interesting. And speaking of Oklahoma, and I passed on this earlier, but saw Chuck's recruitment. Oklahoma's considered the leader for him. I don't think Oklahoma has the big lead that people thought they did before. What I'm curious to see is is Oklahoma's situation, and I mentioned they had a second back, but Oklahoma just kicked off uh, Seth McGowan off their team. He was a freshman this past year, very highly ranked kid from, I believe, Texas. They just kicked him off the team, and so now they're needed at running back. Their running back depth chart's looking a little shaky right now. They already Ramondre Stevenson's gone. He's in the NFL now, or he's he went to the draft. I think the Patriots got him. I could be wrong on that. TJ Pledger's gone. And then now they have Seth McGowan kicked off the team. So their top three running backs from this past year are gone. And McGowan was a true freshman. So now that he is gone, you're looking at a situation where there's an even greater need for Gavin Sawchuck. So they were already recruiting him pretty hard, but but I feel like now Oklahoma's going to really turn up the heat on him. Which could make them tough to beat, but you know USC is making a push for them. I don't, I, I just don't see a top back picking USC with the way that they run the football. That would shock me. And you know, there's some USC people that think that that they have a good shot with Gavin Salchuk, but I just I don't see why any any top running back would would look at USC right now. I mean, their leading running back last year in five games in five games had 238 yards. They averaged under 100 yards rushing last year with a first round draft pick at guard. They averaged under 100 yards rushing last year. They averaged 118.2 the year before. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just, to me, this offense is the traditional Mike Leach offense where unless you're a running back that just wants to catch the ball all the time, and that's not really Gavin Salchuk's game, I don't see USC being a player there. I just, that that one would shock me. But I do think Oklahoma is going to be a player, and Salchuk is also going to go to Ohio State on the 11th. Ohio State's also making a push for him. And so that'll be the interesting thing, too, is if Ohio State gets a commitment in June from one of those backs, not just the the ones we're talking about, but there's other running backs they're looking at, how does that shake things up for Notre Dame? And so that that there's there's a the the June is going to be the June month of June is going to be huge for Notre Dame when it comes to running back recruiting. And I could see a scenario in which they miss on all three of them. And I could see a scenario in which they're get to a position at running back like they are linebacker, which is. We have more guys that want to come than we have room for. It just is going to depend on the visits. And so that's my board. That's the latest at running back. Um, that's kind of how I see the situation right now. I think Notre Dame is in, is in good position right now to get one of those three. If I was a betting man, I'd go with landing one as opposed to missing on all of them. But I And I also like the notion of you're, you're swinging for the fences because you've already got a really good running back in the class. you got two really good running backs in last year's class. There's no need to take a second back just because. Swing for the fences. Focus on the big three. Get one of the, the three that you can get, and then move on to next year. And that that's kind of where I'm at with running back recruiting at this point in time. So what we're going to do now is we'll open it up to questions. If you want to talk about the running back depth chart, if you want to talk about running back recruiting, you can. Uh, if you want to focus on other things, we can talk about other things too, and then we'll, we'll end it once we get through all the questions. So I appreciate everyone being on the show with me. Um, obviously, uh, D-Rock's in the house. Jonathan's in the house. A lot of guys appreciate it. 
Uh, D rock heard it was your birthday. Enjoy. And an extra shamrock for you on your special day. I do appreciate that. It is my birthday. And I have to share with you all. The reason I'm telling you this is because I was able to convince my wife. You guys are going to love this. I was able to convince my wife that for my birthday, I wanted to treat it like a game day. Not like I'm covering a team game day, but I'm not going to do any work today after this. I'm, I'm going to chill out, spend some time with my wife, but I got, I was able to convince her to treat it like game day. We're going to, we're going to pull up YouTube on the TV tonight. And we're going to watch a Notre Dame, an old Notre Dame game, and we're going to act like it's we've never seen it before because she hasn't. She's never seen it. So we're going to make some snacks. I'm going to make pasta tonight. I'm going to actually make lasagna tomorrow. I'm going to make the sauce, and we're going to have raviolis tonight. But uh, and then we're going to have snacks during the game. We're going to make like nachos and stuff. And she's going to we're going to watch the game like it's brand new. So we're going to watch the 1988 Notre Dame Miami game. That's what we're going to do tonight. So I was I'm very excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, Jonathan says, honestly, I'm kind of surprised about today's subject. I was hoping we would take another receiver instead of a running back. I I, I understand where you're coming from on that, Jonathan. And and uh, he says here, but maybe there are some good pass catching RBs that could fill a need. I, I get what you're coming from, but I still feel like Notre Dame's receiver depth chart is going to be fine. I don't think they need a fourth receiver in this class. I wouldn't mind taking one if it's the right player, but I don't think it's necessarily a need at this point in time. And I think that there's less odds that that Notre Dame's depth chart is going to be affected by departures, early departures at, at receiver than it is at running back. So I think they're okay there. I think they're in really good shape. There's a, there's a, some already some 23 running receivers that Notre Dame is in a good position with, but it's one of those situations where I view these running backs as just too good to pass up. And I also think when you look at the depth chart, I, I understand the need for it. Um, I, so so I, I'm good with them taking a second back. I think the big thing for me is, to your point, I, that's why I don't think they should force the issue. Don't take a second running back just because. That's why I say, if you get one of the big three, get them. If you don't get one of them, unless there's some running back of equal talent that jumps on the board, I'd move on. I'd use that spot for somewhere else, and I'd go focus on 23. That's kind of my thing. And I see a lot of birthday wishes. I appreciate that, everybody, very, very much. Caleb Collins asks, what do you think of Jordan Johnson going to Central Florida? I was a little surprised by that, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I thought he would go back to Missouri, you know, go back closer to home. He went further away from home. So I just think geographically, I think it's a it was a, a little bit of a surprising move to me. But I mean, from a receiver standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I mean, look. Well, I guess let, let me rephrase this. I, I'm can I don't know what UCF is going to do. I think if you're looking at it from what they've done in the past, it makes a lot of sense. They threw the ball a ton in the past. Um, they have, they have, you know, I mean, their receivers get a ton of production. But then you look at this Gus Malzahn offense, and it's a, it's an offense that to me is still very uh, antiquated. It's, it, you know, he used to be very innovative, but he's still doing the same stuff he did ten years ago, and he hasn't really adapted to what his quarterbacks do. So unless he's willing to to change what he does, uh, unless he's willing to adapt and 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 do some different things, then I, I don't get this now. He hired an offensive coordinator, G.J. Kinney. Is that, if that's not a name that some of y'all remember, G.J. Kinney was the quarterback for Tulsa in 2010. He was the, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach at Hawaii last year. And, and so he's got a, an interesting background. He's coached at SMU in Arkansas. Um, there are other offensive coordinators, Tim Harris. Um, he was at Florida International recently. Um, so, you know, I, he's a running back kind of guy. So I just look at it and I say, I don't really know if that tells me a whole lot of what they're going to do. Obviously, at, at Hawaii, they threw the ball a lot more. 
Um, but you know, Gus Malls on hasn't been got th- through the ball a lot. So I, I don't know. It's a bit of a curious move for me. If you look at the future, it makes a lot of sense if all he's looking at is the past. And that is that that Central Florida is throwing the ball a lot. I don't like Gus Malzahn's offense anymore, and I don't think he's adapted at all. Uh, Tom Belork says, next year, Justice Hayes, please, please, please. Yep, he's definitely one of the top guys. Um, He's definitely one of the top guys on the board, certainly. There's some other talented backs on the board. It's very, very early. Um, Cedric Baxter, Cedric Irvin Jr. It's very early in that class, but there are some very, very good uh, good visits. Um, Black Rush says, is it true the Manning kid wants to take a visit to Notre Dame? I have not heard that. Um, I, I think people are going to mention that, but until he actually schedules a visit, I'll be a little surprised by that. So I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that, uh, see that happening. Jonathan says thoughts on Xavier Nwankba setting up a visit. Um, he set up a visit a while ago. My, you know, we've had him down as coming in the weekend of, I believe the 25th for a while. Let me pull up our, our visit list, but we've had him on the board for several weeks now as coming um, let me pull up the visit schedule here at Irish Breakdown. We have Xavier coming in the weekend of the 18th to the 20th. That's been checked for a while. So has there been a change since that? I'm just curious as to kind of what that is. But I think it's big for Notre Dame to get him on a visit. But I still feel like it's going to have to be an absolute grand slam home run to, to get him there. And I believe – I'm going to pull it up real quick, but I believe he is going to be visiting Ohio State before he visits Notre Dame. And that would be a little bit concerning to me. My concern, Ohio State and Oklahoma are both notorious. Yes, Ohio State's going to have them on campus on June 4th. Oklahoma and Ohio State are both notorious for really pushing kids to commit and not taking other visits and and doing the whole, well, we're running out of room thing and we need you on board, that kind of thing. And, and I think Notre Dame, if the staff is smart, and I think they are, they're going to tell these kids, hey, look, if this staff really wants you, they're going to they'll wait for you. If they tell you they're running out of room, then they then they don't really they don't really think of you like we do. Because hey, we're not going to run out of room for you for Xavier Nwangpa. That's how I would sell it to try to get him to say, hey, look, just take the visits. Don't rush, even if they're, you know, just take the visits. And I think that is kind of where I would be with with making that push for some of those guys that are visiting Ohio State and Oklahoma before they visit Notre Dame. But, you know, look, they, they have a puncher's chance there. And we had a story up this week at Irish Breakdown where Tyson Ford's talking about how he's, you know, pushing for him. They got another top kid from Iowa, Eli Raritan. So, you know, that that can't hurt. I'm sure that there's going to be some kind of connection there that they're going to try to push each other. So, or I should say, uh, Tyson's going to try to push him. So it's a big visit, but they just have to, they have to push hard now between now and June 4th. They have to do everything possible to try to convince him not to commit to Ohio State during the visit. Still commit to taking the visit to Notre Dame would be a very big, very big part of it. Liam Gaming says the running back stayed in a lot last year with a very good O-line. How will they be able to be released with less experienced line that may have some growing pains? So I think it's all about your scheme, Liam, and, and this is a very good question. So it's all about your scheme, and you're, what you're not going to do is you're not going to do a lot of empty free releases where you're dropping back five, seven steps and throwing the ball down the field. If anything, releasing your back, in my opinion, how I think they should be used, is a situation where they're actually meant to control the defense from being aggressive and attacking. Uh, backs on free releases. So if a defensive line is getting a lot of penetration – there's things you can do with your running backs out of the backfield as a free release or to isolate on linebackers where, hey, you're getting a really good push-up field, then we're going to invite you up. We're going to get an angle route behind you. Teams can run – we'll run screens out of that. You know, So it's just another way to, to uh, attack the perimeter with teams uh, to, to allow them to kind of say, hey, 
you can't just keep coming right at us because we're going to beat you to the perimeter with our running backs. And we saw that in the blue gold game. Uh, a perfect example is, you know, Notre Dame's just killing the offensive line. They're bringing a pressure. They run a quick swing route, free release swing route to Chris, to Kyron Williams. And he just outruns Bo Bauer to the sideline. They're going to be able to do that a lot with Kyron. And they're going to be able to do that a lot with Chris Tyree. And then Kyron, if you can't outrun yet, has got great open field ability. So I believe that, um, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, he's a guy to me that is going to, um, th- those guys are, he's going to be able to make a lot of people miss in space. And I, I really like it. Uh, John A1 says, happy birthday. I appreciate that. Appreciate the super chat very much. The game I like to watch on YouTube is the 06 Michigan State comeback game in the rain. Enjoy Catholics versus convicts. So I'll say this. I like watching the second half of that game. Watching the first half of that game is miserable. Absolutely miserable. Now, it's okay because you know what's going to happen, but there's no way I was going to subject my wife to watching the first half of that game. Uh, so I wanted to watch a game that would be a really fun full to go through. I had thought about the 93 Miami Florida State game, but I just really want to watch the 88 game because it just, you know, obviously that was the last time Notre Dame won a title. Just kind of reminds me of uh, of that time. And, you know, that's kind of game I picked. But, you know, it's interesting is is the best game from 05 is the game they lost. And, and I can't watch that either because they, they the, from 05 they lost. And the best game from 06, I would probably say is probably the best finish was that. But the best game to watch from 06 for me is the Penn State game because I hate Penn State. And they absolutely smash Penn State. And that was a Penn State team that, you know, they were – those fans talked a lot of trash about that game, and and it was, a, it was a pleasure to watch them just get absolutely smashed. So I enjoyed that very much. Maddie K says, I'm very excited about the running back core for the next few seasons, recruiting and current roster. Thoughts on estimate and what you see. I like Audric a lot. I think he's a physical kid, but he's not – here's the thing about him. He can run you over, but he's not hes not like Christian Okoye, right? He's not going to just run you over just because. He's got really nimble feet. He can make you miss. He's a nice one-cut-and-go runner, very good vision, better long speed than I thought he was going to have when I saw his dimensions. I thought he'd just be a thumper. But he's got better long speed than I thought. He can make plays out of the backfield. He can make plays on the perimeter. He can run the outside zones that Notre Dame likes to run because he's got really nice vision, anticipation. He can hit that vertical crease. He's such a thick build that he just runs through arm tackles. And I think he's a very talented back. I think both of those kids are very talented backs. I personally like Logan Diggs a little bit better, but I know other people that like Audric estimate a lot better, and I think they're very close in, in, uh, in ranking. But the thing I like about him too is they complement each other very well, because partly because of how good Logan Diggs is, is in the pass game. I mean, you can use them together. Logan Diggs can line up in the slot, run routes. He can catch the ball in the backfield. They're both over 200 pounds. They can both be lead blockers for each other. So if you have a lot of success with two back looks this year, there's no reason that can't continue in future years. All right, Jonathan asks, if Notre Dame can steal Nwankpa and Hayden out from under Ohio State, we might have to hire a security team for our billboards. There's no If they steal one of those guys, you might have to do that. There's no question about it. That would be huge. And, you know, practically speaking, if, if – <sighs> I don't expect Notre Dame to beat Ohio State for more kids than Ohio State beats Notre Dame for this year. I, I just don't. I think that'd surprise me. And we've already seen Ohio State beat Notre Dame for kids. The key for me is that we need to see Notre Dame beat Ohio State for at least one or two kids. And and especially if one of those guys is a top guy. You know, you say if they can steal Nwankpa and Hayden, I'd be happy just for one. And not only does it mean you've landed an impact player, but it also more importantly, it means that you're now able to go toe, you're one willing to go toe to toe with those kids and B, 
you're able to. And honestly, Jonathan, if I could – so Xavier Nwankpa, to me, fills the bigger need, right? So if we're just talking need, he fills the bigger need. If I'm talking big picture from a recruiting, which one of those two would mean the most to me? It'd be Hayden. And the reason I say that is, is because if Marcus Freeman and that defensive staff are able to go beat Ohio State, that won't shock me because anyone that watches football the last three years knows that Notre Dame's had a better defense than Ohio State the last three years. Notre Dame can sell that. Marcus Freeman can sell that. Uh, Marcus Freeman's doing a great job. It wouldn't shock me if he goes out and pulls off an upset of a team like Ohio State. To see this offensive staff pull off that kind of upset over a school that has just owned them in recruiting, especially at that position, would be would signal something even deeper to me, which is okay. Now the offensive staff is winning some of these battles because again, the previous offensive staff won some of those battles, but the guy that did most of that is gone. The guy that beat Ohio State for all those offensive linemen is gone. This staff with Tommy Reese leading the charge with Lance Taylor, if they can go beat Ohio State for Dallin Hayden, that to me would be would be something to to behold and say, uh oh. Notre Dame is someone to look out for, and that would send shockwaves through the college football world because I think they expect Notre Dame defensively to get these guys because of how good Notre Dame's been on defense. But if Notre Dame can beat Ohio State for a running back a year after Ohio State did what they did running the ball and what they did, you know, with the, what they've done at running back with Notre Dame scoring 33 points a game and Notre Dame can go beat them for a running back that they want. I mean, to me, from, from everything I've heard from my sources, Hayden's Ohio State's top choice. So if Notre Dame could beat them for his top choice, that would be huge, huge. All right, Connor Patton says, is there any 2023 running backs you have your eye on? At this point in time, Connor, I'm not really focused too much on 2023 running backs. You know, as I've looked through it, you know, there's some guys on the board. People have talked about, um, uh, goodness gracious, I'm drawing a blank here, but people have talked about um, Justice Hayes. Uh, I keep wanting to Justice Haynes. I keep wanting to say Justice Hayes, the kid that Notre Dame got that flipped to Michigan a while ago. They've offered Cedric Baxter, who was committed to Florida State, has since decommitted. He's got interest. Treon Webb and Richard Younger guys they've offered from Florida too. They're highly ranked guys. I don't see Notre Dame being a player there. Cedric Irvin Jr. is a guy that they're on. Dalton Brooks from Texas. So it's so early with those guys. I don't view any of them as, as oh yeah, Notre Dame's going to get that guy. So I honestly haven't paid a lot of attention to it because also they're focusing on on this one right now. Okay. Okay. Here we go. With Elston, uh, Johnson, with Elston biting kneecaps off with the recruiting push, I would love to see what he's changing up for official visits. Me too. I'm, I'm, that's something I'm very much looking forward to seeing is how does Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame has always done a great job on official visits with presenting data and facts. And here's the vision and academics and all those things are great. And those are so important to Notre Dame because that's what makes Notre Dame different. But I, I do think there's room to also then to make it more of a of a uh, a pump and circumstance as well as that informative. Here's what Notre Dame is about, and I think those type that kind of combination could could be important. And I think we're starting to see this more and more and more um, as as you move forward. So I would like to see that, but I don't know if we're going to do it if we're going to see it. But I'm very curious about that, Jonathan. I have kind of the same. The same thought you are is some cautious optimism about can Notre Dame start having the same movement with visits that some of these other schools do that make it this red carpet type of thing. Can Notre Dame lay out the red carpet in certain ways, but then also make it the very informative education, academics, all around great thing that Notre Dame is about? I think they can. And, um, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Hey, Chili, I see this comment you made. I like him. 
Seems to run a little high, though. Just curious who you were talking about there. I didn't see your comment till just now, so I'm not sure if you're talking about uh, Singleton or, or Hayden or Salchuk. So if you can let me know which guy you're talking about, uh, we can talk about that. But I appreciate the the com the com the comment. John Galler says has been listening to you since BGI. That was back when I was doing shows with Lou. Always focuses on my mind and love learning more about the game. What are ways to support the stream and Irish Breakdown? The biggest thing for me. And and I'll and I say this all the time. The biggest way to support our channel is to number one engage with our channel, and that means going to our site and reading the articles. And look, the biggest money maker for us right now is still the website. For now, uh, you can sign up and become a member for the website right now, but I'm not really pushing that because we don't have our message board yet, and I'm not going to push the premium really right now until then. Um, there's you can obviously you can do chat, you can do super chats right now. So like as you're watching the shows. You can donate money to the to the channel, which we certainly appreciate and, and always, always appreciate that financial support because we all know you are working your tails off and all y'all are working, making money and and putting in the work to do that. And if you're willing to share that with us, we greatly appreciate it. But the biggest thing for us is just the way that people can help us without giving us directly their money is to just watch, support us, be check out the show, share our content, read all of our articles, you know, sign up for the newsletter. There's a link to it. Uh, in the description of this podcast, I've now included it in all our videos where you sign up for the daily newsletter. I send you our four or five stories from the day before. If you read those, that helps us because we basically right now, you know, advertising is our primary driver of revenue, both on our website, but then also on our YouTube channel and our podcasting. You know, that's where we make all of our money right now is, is through advertising. And as I said before, I'd like to keep it that way. I would like to keep, if not all of our content, the vast majority of our content free. And then if you want to share with us and you want to support us, you know, right now, this is the way to do it. I've contemplated getting a Venmo and a, and a, and a Patreon account, but I just feel like creating those is, is, is sort of like begging for money. And that's just not really my style. If you want to help us out and you can help us out and we would greatly appreciate it. But I don't want to get a situation where we're like begging for money by, by putting a Patreon. That's just how I feel. Other people do it differently. That's totally fine. It's just, that's how I feel. And I just say, look, we're going to put out a great product, and if you want to support it, then support it, and we'll greatly, greatly appreciate it. D-Rock says, he, uh, Gibbons to Florida State and JJ to Central Florida is the latest transfer portal action. I have had a, uh, a lot of people concerned about Dylan Gibbons going to Florida State, and the reason being you know, he's going to have the offensive playbook, and he can give it to other teams. That's not a concern of mine, and I'm assuming that he will have it. Uh, he, he will give them the playbook. But look, you can watch film of a team and know all the plays that they run. Having a playbook to me doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot. The only way it can really impact you is if you have your signals in the playbook, and most teams do. All you do then, and it's even easier for this game because it's the first game of the year, you can spend, you know, just change your signals, you know, or, or change them for that game and change your calls. So that way that Florida State can't get a read on it because – I can, I can give you my playbook, and you can know every play that I like to run, but you don't know when or how I'm going to run them against you, and you don't know what plays I'm calling on each particular play. That's why stealing signals is so much more damaging to you than someone having your playbook. Uh, what can also be bad is if somebody steals your, you know, if you have like a game plan sheet that you give to your players, that can be uh, damaging, but Dylan Gibbons won't have those. So I, I definitely understand the concern. However, um, I, it just it it Notre Dame is going to know they're going to probably I would hope that they're going to assume that he's going to he's going to give him the playbook and then they're going to prepare accordingly so it's not something that concerns me 
concerns me too much. Tim Sully says, how do we get one of those hats, Coach? So here's the deal. I have now officially everything that I'm selling in the store now, they have sent, they're sending me either have sent or sent me a copy of it or, or a sample of it. So, you know, I've got, I've got this mug, I've got a water bottle. Uh, we have got, uh, we're getting hats to come in. The company that made this hat um, just made them for me. It's not a company that has like an online store. And so it would take like, over, I mean, it took me over a month to get this hat and the store's like a half, like a mile from my house. So it wasn't a company. I wanted to go with a local company, but it just wasn't going to work out. So I'm in the process of getting samples from a, a company that is there. We have stickers. We have two hats. We have a visor. We have a mug. We have um, a long sleeve cotton shirt with IB on it that I, that we have on there. And then we have um, two hats. I think I said two hats. So those are all on the way. As soon as I get them, I'm going to check the quality of them, see if I like them. Might even bring them on for a show or not, see if everybody likes them. And if, it, if they're quality, then we're going to launch the store. My wife is currently in the process of, of creating my online store. She's a graphic designer. She builds websites for a living. Uh, she owns her own business. That's what she does a couple floors up. Uh, she does that while I'm down in the basement doing this. So as soon as we get that going, Tim, we will have the store launch. My hope, my, my hope, my prayer is that we'll have it by June 1st is my goal. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It just depends on the quality. I'm, I mean, that's going to be determined if the, the gear that I get is quality and we're ready to roll with it. If it's not quality, then it's kind of back to the drawing board. So I'm, I'm really trying to get this done as quickly as possible because we've had a ton of way more. I mean, hundreds of people have asked about the hats, which I'm in, in all uh, over and super, super appreciate very, very much. And my wife does too, because she's the one that designed the logo. Okay. John Climax says it's refreshing to be recruiting multiple running backs and not putting all our chips in one basket. I agree. Very, very refreshing. And a much more usually a successful strategy on a consistent basis. They got lucky last year, but you can't do it that way year after year. And that's why I didn't have a problem with them taking Jadarian Price. And look, I have the other three running backs ranked higher than Jadarian, but A, you're going to recruit two of them. B, the odds of you landing one of the of two of the big three are, are not great. And in this way, you at least have one good back in the class. And if you can get a second one, that's even better, but you're still good to go. Jay says, this is funny. You know, people can take the same thing and, and look at it completely differently. Jay says, Fisher and Spindler starting as true freshmen is a great selling point for Rice when he visits. What's funny is yesterday, Jay, uh, somebody said that could that be a negative for Zach Rice, meaning that he's taking a spot. And I kind of lean more towards towards your thing, which is, hey, if you're good enough to start, you we'll start you as a freshman. I mean, that's just the reality. If you're that good and you're the best guy, we're going to play you, uh, whether whether you're a young guy or not. Uh, and uh, you know that is that is something that uh, that is a selling point for a, a lot of places. And look, especially when you look at um, um, when you look at uh, you know, I'm trying to think about this like. I don't know a lot of schools that start true freshmen on offensive line. Alabama has started some, but not a lot uh, in, in this regard. So I, I think it. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. Where would Chris Tyree as a high schooler rank on your current running back board? Number one. Um, let's see here. He would be the top top guy. Look, I looked at the grades. He his grade as a junior was higher than the current grades as a junior. Dallin Hayden's not that far behind, but his explosiveness was so so much uh, better. All right. My wife just, uh, sh she's in watching the show. Um, she, she brought up the idea of pot. She's got two great ideas. Number one is, um, this is my wife. She says, happy birthday, birthday lunch at mission barbecue after the show. That's not a bad idea. 
And then she also uh, brought up maybe having a game every night this week. I don't think I'll have time to do that, but that's a very, very intriguing offer. Okay. I am not going to be live streaming the show tonight. I'm just going to be relaxing, watching the game with my wife. Okay, here we go. Jay says, I think Notre Dame can come out the leader for Merriweather after his visit. Jay, I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame's already his leader. My big con- here's my I'll say it again. Here's my big concern with with Tobias Merriweather. You you have to try to get him to commit this summer. If he carries this out into the season, into January and February, like he's talked about, it's going to be a lot harder to close on him. And then it start you start getting the rest, the 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 issue of do you if you do you take a, a like do you take CJ Williams and Xavier Bradshaw and then pass on Tobias, or do you take him as a fourth? when you may not have room for them. Then you run the risk of if an Alabama or a Texas or a Clemson or somebody misses out on their top guys or they get room and they want to go after them, then you have to basically re-recruit them all over again when those new teams get involved, which is just how it goes. So if if he commits this summer, I feel really good about where Notre Dame stands with him. Same with C.J. Williams. But if those two guys go into the fall and their recruitment is still open, then I start getting a little bit more nervous. Thank you, Omar. Appreciate it very, very, very much. Um, he says, if all three wanted to come, who would you say yes to? For me, personally, I'd say yes to Dallin Hayden first, Nicholas Singleton second, and Gavin Salchuk third. That's just my order. I don't know if I, I don't know if no, I think I don't think Notre Dame has that same order, uh, but I don't know that for sure. So I won't tell you what I think their order is. But for me, it's Hayden number one because I think he's the most natural running back of that group. I'd feel I'd be perfectly fine getting Nicholas Singleton because he's the most explosive, in my opinion, of those two, even of those three. Even though Gavin Salchuk has probably the best long speed, I still think Nicholas Singleton's the most explosive of that group. Okay. This isn't a bad idea. Play the 73 Sugar Bowl as an appetizer in honor of Lou. That's not a bad idea at all. I, I think we might actually do that this week. Cause you know what? Uh, Liam, I've never watched that game fully. I've only watched like some clips that Lou had showed me in the office, but I've never sat down and watched that game in its entirety. That's not a bad idea. I may do that this week. I may actually do that this week. Okay. Yeah, this is the the best moment for that. That's a a great story from there. Okay. John A1 says, where does the running back position rank for you in modern football? For me, it would be fourth. Quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver, running back, tight end. How do you see it and prioritize running back and recruiting? Well, I think it I think it's different for every program. And for me at Notre Dame, boy, for me at Notre Dame, I'd probably rank it fifth. Uh, I'd say quarterback, I'd say wide receiver, uh, tackle, left tackle, center, and tight end, actually sixth. I'd say those five positions all to me are more important because look, if you have a great running back, but you don't have great linemen, then you're not going to be successful. If you have great linemen and just a good running back, you're going to be successful. So to me, it's about prioritizing the offensive line. It's about getting perimeter skilled players and getting a great quarterback. And then at Notre Dame specifically, they have to have a great tight end, in my opinion. The Notre Dame offense just isn't the same without a great tight end because you're not going to have a receiving core that has Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddell. You're not going to have Justin Ross and T. Higgins on the same team. You're just not. You have to be great in the at the five up front at tight end and quarterback. Do that, and then you can you can figure out how to be an elite offense without it. I didn't view Clyde Edwards Alaire as a, a big time recruit. He wasn't a super highly ranked guy, but he fit that LSU offense. He was a great complement to those other great players. 
And I think that's why you see in the NFL as well, you, you don't see running back prioritized. I mean, people were shocked that two running backs went in the draft this year in the first round. Well, Najee Harris and uh, Travis Etienne were phenomenal college football players, but it's just the value of that position isn't as great because running back is so much more dependent on other positions, much more so than other positions are dependent upon a running back. And I think that to me is really where it comes from. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> this is great. Fun fact. The last time USC beat Notre Dame was 1,626 days ago. That's tremendous. All right. Tom Belork. If Kevin Austin's health, uh, is Kevin Austin's health the key to the 2021 offense or is any production from a, a number four a bonus would be nice to see him healthy. I do not believe he's the key. I believe the key to the offense in, in 2000, in 2021 begins first with the offensive line developing number two, with the quarterback position. If those two positions are strong, Notre Dame has enough offense, enough skill at running back, tight end, and receiver to be fine if Kevin Austin doesn't emerge. Having said that, if Kevin Austin plays to his potential and those things happen, then this offense could be a clearly be a 40-plus point-per-game offense because you're going to put him with Michael Mayer. You're going to put him with you know, the other slot receivers, you know, Avery Davis, Lawrence Keys, the speedy guy, and Braden Lindsey. You know, all of a sudden you have a very dynamic offense, and we didn't even talk about the running backs. So, um, you know, th that's very important. People are talking about uh, – I read somewhere that Manning was doing a Midwest swing at some point during his recruitment. That could be, and he maybe he visits campus that way. But, I look, y'all can keep talking about Arch Manning, but I'm just telling you, he's not going to come to Notre Dame. If, if he comes to Notre Dame, that would be the biggest shock in the world to me. I don't see any chance he's going to come. I think I believe Peyton visited Notre Dame too, didn't he? Some of you older folks would would know that better, but I just I don't see it. I mean, y'all, we can keep asking about it, but I don't see it. And if he does visit as part of a swing, that doesn't mean that he has legitimate interest in Notre Dame. I just I don't see it. I don't know who's reporting that, and I'm sure whoever's reporting that talked to Cooper, who's his dad, but I I just don't see it. Here we go. Kevin Kelly, if they miss out on the big three at running back in this class, is the portal a viable option? Guys like Ches Malusi, Tariq Murphy, and David Bailey come to mind. And, of course, a very happy birthday. Kevin, thank you so much. I don't think that running back, that that, that those two things have anything to do with each other. Ches Malusi, Tariq Murphy, and David Bailey are all guys that are going to be transferring somewhere for 2021. Notre Dame has zero problems at running back for depth in 2021. They've got Kyron Williams. They've got Chris Tyree. They've got Sebo as of now. And they've got the two freshmen. I don't think any of those guys would necessarily add any value to the two you already have at the top or over the freshman, in my opinion. I'd rather go play the freshman. Um, these, these running backs are for 2022, so those guys would be going into their second year by that point in time. Uh, so maybe they can add depth to that second year, to your point, but I don't think any of them are necessarily guys that you want. I loved Tariq Murphy coming out of high school, but he got in trouble with Weed and some other things at Purdue. He's not going to be an option for Notre Dame. David Bailey's a nice power back, but to me, uh, again, I, I, he lacks speed, and I would rather focus on the other guys. So, Ches Malusi, maybe. You know, I like Ches coming out of high school, but I just don't see that one as a fit either. I just think develop the kids you have, and if you can take a grad transfer for next year to provide depth, then I'd look at it. But I, I don't know if I would look at those guys who have multiple years of eligibility because I don't think any of those guys are necessarily going to be above Chris Tyree. Well, they're not going to be above Chris Tyree. And honestly, none of those three guys have higher ceilings than the two kids they have coming in. I'd rather see them develop uh, those guys. 
John A1, now I got an 06 Penn State game to watch that. I don't remember. How can you not remember that? They smashed them. I still remember Brady Quinn hitting John Carlson up the seams right over top of Paul Puzlesny. They blasted Penn State that year. That was a that was a lot of fun. Okay. Um, Christopher says, the key to Arch recruitment is going to be Reese convincing Manny family that he knows what he's doing. How do you do that? You're not going to do that in a meeting. Look, there's plenty, plenty of talented, very talented four-star top 100 quarterbacks in this class. You, you don't need to spend all this time trying to recruit Arch Manning when you know you're probably not going to get him. Go get, take all the energy you're going to invest in Arch Manning and go put it towards Dante Moore. That's what I would do. I'm just... That's just not a recruitment I would spend a lot of time with. Canadian Sith Lord, great name. I love this channel. Keep up the great work. Go Irish. I appreciate that. You have a great name on this, by the way. Um, that that is that is great. I appreciate that very much uh, for being part of the channel. The Trek reviewer, some new people in the chat today. Really appreciate that. Hi, do you think the running back Williams and safety Hamilton will both be first round picks next year. And do you think either will last until Buffalo makes their pick in the late first round? So a lot of optimism from the bills fan that you're going to be back in the playoffs this year. I like it. Uh, and I, and I glad to see that, uh, that Josh Allen has panned out. I, I liked him a lot coming out. I just thought he was raw and needed work and development. And he's gotten that uh, Kyle Hamilton will be a first round pick next year, barring injury. In my opinion, he is a clear first round pick. I do not see him. If Buffalo's picking in the twenties, I do not see Kyle Hamilton lasting that long unless he either gets injured or has a step back. So I do not see that. Uh, do I, could Kyron Williams be a first round pick? I think he could. I think the only thing that could keep Kyron Williams from being a first round pick is he runs like a four, seven or like a high four, six. I think if Kyron Williams goes out there and runs for over 1100 yards again, uh, if Kyron Williams goes out there and catches, and, and I think he will, like 40-plus balls this year and becomes a more consistent player, which you expect from a guy going into his second year, and then goes out and runs like a somewhere in the four fives, and if he runs in the four fours, even better. But I, I think he's a guy that could absolutely sneak into the first round. I don't think it's a great running back draft class next year. And you have to look at the NFL values. Guys can catch the football. And I could see a scenario in which, by the end of this upcoming season, Kyron Williams is the best pass-catching running back in college football, just like Clyde Edwards-Alaire was two years ago, and that's why he was a first-round pick. And he ran a 4-6 at his pro day, and he was 5-7. So I think it's certainly possible, and if Buffalo has a need at running back and they and they are someone who's going to use a running back in the pass game, because to me, if, you're just, if a running back's going to be like Derrick Henry, then you don't want Kyron Williams. If you're going to use your running back to catch the ball and run and block, then Kyron Williams is going to be your guy. So he certainly will have a chance, barring injury, to, to sneak into that first round. No question about it. All right. Michael Morris making this prediction for tonight's game. I think if Notre Dame's defense can get pressure on Steve Walsh, Notre Dame has a chance to win. I agree with you, Michael. Uh, Steve Walsh, up to this point in time of the season, has not been sacked. So I'm curious if Frank Stamps is going to be able to get to him at some point in time. But shh, my wife has not watched the game yet, and so she's in the chat today. So please. Please don't give it away. And then, Michael, thank you very much for the birthday wishes. Yeah, see, John, you can't. that's going to take a while. These kids are already going to be on campus. This is in response to beating Ohio State. Beat them for a running back. Heck, let's beat them on the field and just put this to rest. I agree. The problem is, is by the time that's going to happen, the earliest Notre Dame can play uh, Ohio State would be in the a semifinal. Well, by that point in time, most likely these running backs are going to have signed somewhere. Uh, they'll have probably already signed in December. So let's see here. Okay, there was a question earlier about Marquis Step, how he ended up at USC. Uh, 
John Clemex says he's now at Nebraska. I think he needed a class or something. He wanted to go to Notre Dame. He did want to go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame had two concerns about Marquise. Number one, he was injured a lot. And as we've seen at USC, he's been injured a lot. Keeping him on the field was a big concern for them. And then that obviously was a legitimate concern because he never stayed healthy at USC either. Um, that, that was clearly a problem. He played five games this year, so he missed a game this year. Uh, in 2019, he only played six games because of injury, and he played four games the year before that. He's just a kid who has been unable to stay healthy. Very talented back. They had no issues with him as a talent. It's just he was banged up a lot as a senior. He was, he's been banged up his whole career. And they just didn't think it was a guy that was going to be able to stay healthy, and he hasn't been able to. The second part of it is is academically there was more than it was more than just a class, but there were some academic red flags that combined with his medical red flags to make it to where Notre Dame just didn't feel that 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 was going to be a good fit, and they ended up being right. So because again he was not able to stay healthy at USC. Notre Dame 2164 says, Brian, I wanted to thank you for all the top-notch content. You guys have been helping me get through my workday a lot recently. Really appreciate it. I'm glad we could help. I appreciate you being a part of it. I think you've asked a question in every chat we've had so far, which I greatly, greatly appreciate. Uh, means a lot that you support our channel the way that you do. It really, it really does. Uh, and we're going to continue to try to keep it rolling. So we'll definitely, definitely do that. Okay, Brian Denbo says, hey, coach, you mentioned in a previous show the need for a true Mike linebacker or maybe not appropriate for today, is there a way you can use your running back to facilitate the need for a true Mike? Or is the way you use your running back uh, to facilitate the need for the true Mike? No, I, I think it's more about, for me, it's more about having a, an extra physical, big physical guy that can crash the run game to give you a better chance of defending the box with five guys, which can be difficult. But, you know, to me, it's, it's, um, it's a situation where, it's just more about numbers. You're going to be at a numbers disadvantage. So then you need a guy at that position that can be a hammer that has instincts that has size, has physicality, can take on guards and get to the running back is really more about how I see it. Tommy Leonard asks, uh, do you know how Gibbons projects to Florida state's roster? Do you think barring injury or something big like that, that he'll be a game one starter and at what position he's a guard for them. He's not a center. Uh, he'll have a chance to battle for guard. Do do I think he'll have a shot to start? Yes, because their offensive line is pretty terrible. Uh, so, yes, I think he'll have a shot to start. And I am getting this note. Um, this is a sad note. D-Rock, a couple people said, uh, reported for Holland Star Advertisers reported that former Hawaii quarterback and Heisman Trophy candidate Kilt Brennan has died for his family. That's very tragic. I would appreciate if you're of the, of the praying type like I am that you say a prayer for his family. Uh, he's still still very young. He was the Hawaii quarterback the year. I think they played, like, I think they got all the way to playing, I think it was Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Very, very prolific, prolific college quarterback. So very sad for, for his family. Um, I think he's been out of the NFL for a while, but but very sad and tragic for his family. So I appreciate you guys uh, sharing that and letting us know uh, what you meant. S says, in an ideal world, if you could pick one, and he went down and clarifies later, 2000, he meant 2022 running back to add to Notre Dame's class, who would it be? Doesn't have to be a realistic option. Wondering who your favorite is. I, I really, even if you look at the other running backs around the country that Notre Dame's not on, I love Dallin Hayden. I really do. There's just his combination of of size, toughness, vision, pass catching ability, uh, work ethic, attitude, production, everything to me, academics, everything for me for Dallin Hayden checks the boxes. I mean, you say, look, he is the perfect running back. He's a really talented player. Um, you know, he just he's the guy that I would take. If I could, just a good question. 
Uh, here we go. Jeff Fluke says, uh, have you learned, what have you learned about Chandler Smith? I don't know anything as far as Notre Dame's interest beyond what Tom Loy reported the other day, which is that Notre Dame is, is looking at him. What I've learned about him as a player is number one, very dynamic, very raw. Uh, you know, somebody sent me his film the other day and said, what do you think of him? And I said, he reminds me of a taller Braden Lindsay, except Braden Lindsay was a little bit more advanced as a wide receiver, very tall, very dynamic, still learning the position. Uh, has had two major injuries so far. Has a torn uh, this from what I was told, from what I've learned. It tore his eight, it, meniscus or something in his knee last year, and then also has a major shoulder injury. When I see that, and I see a track guy with great track times, that gets me a little bit concerned. And we we've kind of seen that with Braden Lindsay. That would be my my concern. So you get him on the radar, get him to rec- recruit him, but I don't know if he'd be a guy that I would necessarily push for right now. Um, the Trek reviewer, uh, are you on Twitch at all? I am not on Twitch at all. Uh, that is not somewhere we've gone yet. I don't really know a whole lot about Twitch. Um, so I, yeah, it's not where we are right now. Uh, any word on SIBO? I still have not heard anything. And look, we're not going to hear anything. Brian Kelly still has never officially announced that Kevin Austin was suspended for the entire 2022 season or 2000 was the 19 season. So I don't think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to really know that. Uh, I don't think Arch Manning is overrated. Um, I, I don't think he's overrated. I think that there. I think he's getting overhyped from a recruiting standpoint simply because he's a Manning and all that kind of stuff. And we've seen how great the Mannings are. I don't think he's overrated. I think he's a great quarterback uh, for his age. I mean, he still has some developing to do. It's just everyone's hyping him up as if like he's automatically he's going to be his brother, his uncle, one of his uncles. And I think it's also people are missing the fact that this is a loaded quarterback class, a loaded quarterback class. And I would just focus on, on other people. Uh, so th- there you have it. All right. John Climax says Peyton did visit Notre Dame. He is quoted as saying Holtz had him convinced he was going to Notre Dame. <laughs> Lou had a great ability to do that. Mason says Notre Dame is still pushing hard for Jair Brown. Freeman and Mickens have a call set up tonight. So I believe that's being reported somewhere else. Would love to see him flip. Uh, agree. I don't see it happening, but yes, it would be, that would be a big flip. That would be a big flip. I just don't see, I don't see that happening. Okay, here we go. Liam gaming I formation on the goal line with new O line, or is that a little crazy? Could split it two backs sometimes for a different wrinkle. Um, I don't know if I want to go. I out of the goal line. I, I know a lot of people think that that's the way to go. I personally don't like that. I like either a reduced look. Cause when I think I, I think a fullback, and, and I, I think that – I just don't know. I don't love that look. And we've seen Notre Dame do it a lot. If you have a great O-line, you can do that. But to me, it's just it's just not um, – it's just not where I would go, I think, especially with the offensive line that they have. I still like the idea of being able to quickly throw the ball. I like the idea of, of being able to use some sort of, of quick misdirection in some way. Or a reduced running back look if you're going to go from the eye. You know, do something where you you bring your back back, you're, you're running back tighter and you do sort of wedge stuff. But I just I don't I don't love the eye unless you just have an offensive line that just can just crush people. And you're if you're gonna go from the eye too, you're forced to go with multiple tight ends. So it really limits what you can do in the pass game because you have that short edge. Wherever you don't have a second tight end, there's a shorter edge. So there's a, a, a tighter place for a guy to come screaming off the edge, and it makes it harder to to get any kind of running running play going, even an off tackle away, that guy's just screaming down, uh, and it makes it a little harder to defend that. Okay, Notre Dame two one six four. If Kyron leaves after this year, who do you see stepping up next year to be the one two punch with Tyree? 
I honestly think it'll be a one-two-three punch. I, I think we'll see Diggs and Estime having a shot to all play. I, I think we've seen Notre Dame do that in the past. We've seen them use running three running backs. I think you, you can use three running backs. And maybe one of them is kind of like the two, but then the third guy is a situational guy. So like maybe Logan Diggs is your number two back. He kind of comes in to spell Chris Tyree, but then Audric Estime is sort of your your short, short yardage goal line back. There's maybe games where you really feel like you're going to hammer a team and he gets more touches that game. I could see a scenario in which all three of them, uh, three of them play. The Trek Reviewer. Miami had a heck of a run of NFL QBs in the 80s with Jim Kelly, Vinny Testaverde, Bernie Kozar, Craig Erickson, and, and Steve Walsh. They really it really I it's, you know it's funny, it never registered for me that Jim Kelly went to Miami. It was like kind of a little bit before my time. I only really remember Jim Kelly in the NFL. Yeah, he was he was part of that, you know, the Schnellenberger. I think he was with Schnellenberger, right? He was part of the Schnellenberger crew, but man, they had some great quarterbacks. And same thing with Bernie Kozar. He just never struck me as a guy that would play at Miami, you know. But uh, but yeah, they really did have a great stretch of quarterbacks. And then they started getting these five-star guys. I'm trying to remember the guy that they had, Kyle Wright. I think they got from California. He's this big five-star kid. He was a bust. And uh, well, then they had Brock Berlin for a minute there too, right, when he transferred from Florida or something like that. But they just never could get that quarterback thing going. And then, of course, after that stretch, they had Ken Dorsey, who did some great things for him. All right. Um, Tommy Leonard said, did Archie's dad uh, not catch the QB gene? Never really heard of him before. He was actually a, a wide receiver in high school. He was Peyton's wide receiver. And so he went to Ole Miss to play football. And I think it was his freshman year, had a really bad like back issue that ended his career. They do a if you if you want to learn more about it, they did a great, I think it was on the SEC network, uh, the Book of Manning. If you've never seen that, check it out. It is awesome. Really, very, very, very well done. It's about like the only thing that that uh, that they do well. Thomas Walsh, Gino Toretta. Forgot about Gino Toretta. He was I thought he was overrated, but he played on a great team. Uh, but yeah, he he was also part of that that stretch of of great quarterback play there. Okay. Uh, here we go. S coach regarding the injury concerns of step. I thought once Notre Dame accepts a commit, they don't move on to injury. For example, Hunter Spears and the multiple leg injuries. This is a little bit of a different situation because it wasn't so much a, a an injury. His injury didn't keep him. It was a history of injuries. And then it was combined with the academic part of it. And, and so what Notre Dame said to Hunter Spears and other players is look, we will honor your scholarship. And you know, you, come here to play and there's a thought that he'll be able to make it but it was with with Marquise it was the combination of the two things they didn't think he's gonna be able to stay healthy and then he had the academic thing and that's really where where it went sour so here we go it, okay here is there any possibility that the transfer of JJ without any resistance by the coaching staff could bode well to their beliefs about Kevin Austin's health for the season I hope so I hope so I don't know how they could possibly know that this early in his recovery, but I hope so. I hope that that's what that means. P-Dub says, looking at the transfer portal, it seems that the Power 5 schools are using the lower Power 5 schools and G5 schools as farm systems, and it's only going to get worse now that they've opened it up. So that is certainly going to be part of it. So that looks like all of it that we have for questions today. Really appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Uh, appreciate you joining me to talk Notre Dame football today. It's been a lot of fun. We talked running back tomorrow. Vince and I will have two shows tomorrow. Uh, at one o'clock, Vince and I will, will talk. We'll talk Notre Dame defense. So yesterday we talked about what we learned about the Notre Dame offense and the questions that still persist. Tomorrow we'll talk about the defense. 
And then tomorrow night at eight o'clock Eastern, we'll have our Wednesday night. Uh, our it's going to now be an annual or a weekly um, Wednesday night podcast, which is going to focus on recruiting. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk about 2023 quarterbacks, which I think comes at a great time when you consider all the questions that people have at Arch Manning. We're going to dive into the board. We're going to watch some film. Going to talk about who I think Notre Dame's interested in. Some guys I think Notre Dame should then get interested in. Watch the film, and then we'll talk about it. So. Uh, yeah, say only an hour and a half today. Hey, y'all ran out of questions. So if we had more questions, we'd keep going, but y'all ran out of questions. So I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the kind words, Jonathan. I'm going to go upstairs, talk to my wife about getting some mission barbecue. If you are a uh, Connor, appreciate that very, very much. My friend, appreciate it very much. Um, if you're in, if you're ever in South Bend for a game, check out mission barbecue. I, I know that they're all over the country. So you may have one in your hometown, the other one we tried that the other night, uh, which was and it was really good. So it, it, we, I got the brisket. My wife got uh, pork, I believe. I'm gonna try uh, their ribs next time. So I'm, I'm it was very good. Mac and cheese is good. Baked beans were good. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And then also, there's a pizza place somewhat near campus on Hickory. The next time you're in town, called Polito's. If you're looking for a good pizza place in South Bend when you're in town, check out Polito's. They actually do dine in. But you can also order to your hotel. They do like one of the dining, you know, the drive-in places. But then you can also do carry-out. So when you're in town for games this upcoming year, those are definitely two places that are very close to campus that I would encourage you uh, to check out. So, yeah, this is a – yeah, we've talked about both of those guys today. Ken, I didn't know – I knew he was coaching, but I didn't know he was in Buffalo. So I appreciate all the uh, the kind words, Chris. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate the the chats, the support that you all give. Um, appreciate you guys being with us every day. Appreciate you wanting to support our channel. Um, again, read our read our articles. Check out, list, watch of all our podcasts. If you want to support us financially, we love the super chats. Uh, that's kind of where we're at right now, and we're hoping that we can eventually get the message board going so we can then push the premium content on our site. But right now, that's just not uh, not in our best interest when you consider we don't have a message board. So everybody, have a great great rest of your Tuesday. I've enjoyed it very much, and we'll talk with all of you again very, very soon. during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.